welcome to Across the Gun Counter. I'm your host, Joe Riva, joined by my co-host, Tyler Weaver. What's up, guys? Alrighty. And today, we're here to talk about, well, our topic today is going to be checklist for buying a gun. When you go into a store or a show, you know, maybe, hey, maybe that's even part of the topic. What's on your yeah, list for or, buying a gun? Yep. Yeah, or you just happen to stumble across somebody that's selling something, you know, what do you look for? Yeah, what are you, what are you looking at? But before we dive into today's topic... You know, hey Tyler, what's uh, what have you been working on in the shop lately? What's been what's been a fun project for you, or a difficult project, I should say? Hmm, I'll go with the difficult project. Okay. <laughs> and uh, since you're a uh, Finnish guy uh, with two ends, uh-huh. um, I just finished a finished Sako. <laughs> say, say that five times yeah. fast. Yeah, exactly. I just finished a finished Sako. Uh, <laughs> finished applying the finish on the finished Sako. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, if you guys want, you can go check it out on Facebook and Instagram at Precision Rifle Works LLC. I uh, just posted a bunch of pictures of it. The thing came out beautiful. Um, these freaking guns, man, they have like some sort of epoxy type finish. It is just a nightmare to get off. I mean, Best Bet's honestly just taking a razor blade and scraping it all off. And uh, unfortunately, with a lot of the older guns, they get scratches and dings from being in the wood and then starts chipping off. So uh, this one wasn't in bad shape. It came in just to get the, re- the stock refinished. And it was honestly a really good candidate for it. There wasn't any major uh, cuts to the grain where I couldn't pull it out. So overall, it just came out really nice. You're going you're gonna to like that one. Was that the one you posted with the, um, the out, out, outside, I believe it was? Yes. Like, yes. Yeah, okay. Like a, Ooh, yeah. That a was yellowy, like maple looking stock. That's a really nice finish. No, I'm really mm-hmm. not trying to do the pun intended, despite my love of finish firearms, <laughs> um, and all things finish. For those who don't yeah, know, and that, I do that is a hand rubbed yeah. oil finish. So that's not like a. You'll see a lot of these. I don't want to say high end retailers, but like a lot of these uh, manufacturers do a spray on finish. So you get a nice thick gloss. You know, it looks good, but. You know, it is kind of a, a cop-out, kind of. So nothing and, beats uh, a hand This is just, <laughs> oh, nothing beats a hand job, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so, sh- yes, that is literally going over it by hand with oil many, many times and smoothing it out. Well, you know, your hand jobs look very nice. Let's put it that way. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> So, speaking of hand jobs, what have you had coming to the shop? <laughs> oh man, uh, hand jobs. Uh, oh, oh man. So, what, um, what, um, what, what, what? Some, what? Some cool firearms that we've had come in lately. I should say is, uh, what are the? We've had a couple of new firearms come in lately. Um, for well, new to me, I should say. One that I mm-hmm. <laughs> was the. We had one of those staccato p. Uh, P's come in the staccato I'm actually P2011s. not familiar with those. What so, are the, what are they like? So that's like a double stack 1911. I've it, so here's the funny thing about that firearm was I've heard all about that firearm the past few weeks because a lot of people I've been reading online have been having issues with that Springfield Prodigy. Okay. And everyone's saying the fix is get staccato mags. So every time I've had someone come in the shop and has been asking about the Prodigy and the issues, I say, oh well, the fix I've heard is get the staccato mags but i've never handled the Mm. staccato well lo and behold what do we have walking the door one day actually funny enough a friend of mine was actually the one who brought it in and in walks a staccato he had one of those got to play around with it um 
It's actually a really nice looking pistol. It's just like a. I'm not normally as big of a fan as 1911s as some people are, but and the the double stack is not normally something I really like with 1911. Just keep 1911 traditional and M45. Mm. And plus they they tend to get a little bulky. Yeah, but and this one this one was nice and comfortable. I I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. We actually have it on the shop's website. Uh, you can you can see a couple pictures of it. But the, the other one that came in that we didn't buy that I thought was a little bit cooler to me, at least, was the Kunin in three fifty seven. Okay. So that was just the 1911 and three fifty seven Magnum. That's just something you don't see every day. Uh, you, no, I mean, not at all. How often do you see a semi-automatic in a revolver cartridge like that? Mm-hmm. So it's just cool. This thing was, dude, this thing was friggin' bulky. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, it's a big gun. Yeah. But again, you got to have that, that weight behind it to help absorb some of that recoil. Exactly. You know, or else the guns, the guns basically going to beat itself to shit. Yeah, it's, it really will. And oh, by the way, as we're talking here, you know, I, I really did pull those pictures up. Really guys, go look at that rifle, that finished rifle that came out. The stock finish really came out well. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. So, I mean, and hey, that kind of leads leads into the topic of what we got going on today, which is, you know, a checklist for buying a gun. What are the things that you look for when purchasing a gun? And is it is it circumstantial? Is it you happen across mm-hmm. something? Is it at a show? Is it at a shop? What what's your what's your criteria for buying a gun? What do you what do you look at? So, for me, say I am in the market for something, I have a pretty good idea of what that gun's capable of, uh, what need it fills for me. So if I do happen to like seek something out after that, it's okay. Is it used or new? Uh, mm-hmm. If it's used, I'm checking for flaws. I'm checking for damage. So typically, uh, if it's a rifle, I'm looking at areas people don't typically look at. A lot of people will grab a gun. They'll look at the left side, flip it over, look at the right side, look down the sights. Okay, you know, tell me how many times you've seen that. Yeah. You know, um, typically I'll pull the bolt out. I check the bolt face first. I'll look at the muzzle, make sure it's, you know, crowned nicely. It's not dinged up. Uh, if it's got a recoil pad, is that all smashed in? Is it, you know, torn apart? Uh, if it's got a butt plate on it, especially like some of the older guns, the you know, they get chipped out from dropping them or just setting them down on the floor too rough. Uh, things of that nature. Uh, normal wear and tear damage I'm not too concerned with, but you can definitely tell when a gun's been neglected. Um, some other things, if you have, you know, or if the uh, shop will let you, if it's a handgun, you know, pop the grips off. That'll tell you a lot about how that gun oh, was maintained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was a carry gun and it's packed full of lint, because, I mean, you have to admit, when you get a used gun in the shop, do you guys do a full strip down and clean it? So you're going to laugh, actually. We're one of the few shops that actually does. Really? Yeah. I, I when Next time you come in the store, uh, remind me, and I'll show you all our guns. I will. We... I'll quiz you. I'll be like, hey, pop those grips off. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the one guy in the shop, actually, he loves cleaning, and that's one thing that we try and do. To s- And that's something we'll actually get into with this is, you know, one thing I look for is, the condition of the gun and is the firearm clean or not because whether the firearm mm-hmm. is clean or not can definitely make or break a sale for me and oh yeah that that's why we clean everything is because a if a firearm is cleaner and it looks nicer it's easier to sell and you can get more money for it it's simple yep. as that if you have a gun that is dirty and it's not 
it doesn't look you know it's a little slow on the slide or something like that and realistically mm-hmm. all it needs is a little bit of clp or health coil is a wonderful wonderful thing if it just has a little bit of that it might be running fine so why not just take yep. the you know as a shop i think that's a responsible thing more shops should be doing is cleaning firearms absolutely and i mean especially like guns that don't move you know if they've had a gun mm-hmm. on the rack for a while pull it down dust it off you know yeah absolutely. a fresh coat of oil make it glisten exactly it's not especially especially when you know now i'm gonna be you know going a little off topic here but mm-hmm. for for shops i mean hey if you guys ever have downtime just clean guns it's really really doesn't take a lot of doesn't take a lot of time and it yeah. gets you more knowledge behind the firearm i've learned absolutely. I, i've learned so much and i can tell you the staff at the store has definitely learned so much too just about breaking down different firearms and just from cleaning and some guys look at it as like a chore some guys find it therapeutic I'm a little bit in the middle. Yep. Okay, <laughs> um, so here here's a good uh, one to support that. Uh-huh. Um, recently, I had uh, Bass Pro Shop send me a few rifles to uh, cast the chambers on. Okay. Just so, oh, I remember that. You yeah, know, you were showing me those. Yep, so they can sell them so they're confident with uh, what caliber they are. One of them was a Swiss K31. 7.5 Swiss, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. I never <laughs> shot it. <laughs> anyway, I know enough about these rifles from a... Um, uh, one of my buddies out at gunsmith school that typically under the butt plate, if you undo the screws, there'll uh, be a tag tags. with the person. Yep. Troop tags who has issued that rifle. So in casting that chamber, obviously I have to clean the chamber and everything. So I give the rifle a once over that way. When it goes back to them, it looks better than they send it to me. And as just a little, um, you know, a little, uh, token of gratitude for them doing the work i'm like hey i pulled the butt plate off i took a picture of the troop tag so you guys can say hey as an additional feature this is who owned this rifle you know it still has a troop tag under it but it's been reinstalled so here's a picture of it that way the the, that way the store does not have to remove that it's still right where it should be but they have all the information they need so you know pulling a gun apart you don't know what you're gonna find that's very true. And when it comes to surplus stuff, it's funny because you, you mentioned Finnish at the beginning. For those who don't know, I love Finnish guns, Finnish Mosins in particular. Mm-hmm. I love the World War II Finnish history and all that to the point where I actually do reenacting on the side a little bit of it. Um, <clears throat> but the Finnish Mosins are the same way. You can find like the troop tags, sometimes they'll have the hang tags, stuff like that. Really? Yeah, there, there's just so much into collecting those that it just adds that extra level of something to look for when purchasing one. And I think that's when it comes to buying a gun check, you know, if you were to have a buying a gun checklist, you can't have a one size fits all checklist. I no, think the no, first, absolutely not. I, I think the first thing you really have to look at is, are you buying a new firearm or buying a used firearm? Because if you're buying a new firearm, I think there's a lot less you have to look for. That, and, <laughs> well, that's Smith & Wesson I bought. <laughs> that's true. But I'm saying, um, I'm saying across the board, I would say in general, I think there's... Yeah, in the, general. There's going to be less you're going to be looking for on a new firearm because... You're going to think, in theory, that if they're putting it on the shelf, that from the manufacturer, everything is all right. Like, I did see a, a rifle recently that the, the grip we actually have to send back to the manufacturer because mm-hmm. it wasn't on right. I'm like, hey, that's not on right. And I tried, you know, tightening it. And no, the receiver was actually stripped where the, the yeah. pistol grip was supposed to go on the AR. Yeah, and that's the thing. It, that, that type of stuff should be covered under warranty. Oh, yeah, Especially if it didn't even leave your shop yet. Exactly. Like, I caught it before it even hit the floor, so. Yep. So, again, another reason to check stuff up, check out for flaws and damage before you buy something because, hey, you know, it might be an opportunity for that shop to 
return that firearm and get a replacement for you. Yeah, before it even hits, you know, before you even buy it. Yep. So, so. second on my list, I would say is has the firearm been modified? Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, a lot of stuff internally you will not know until you actually shoot the gun or disassemble it. So yeah. some stuff you can't tell, you know, at the store, they're not going to let you take everything apart, but little things to look for on the outside of the gun. Um, Mausers are notorious for this. Uh, the front ring of, I mean, large ring, small ring, Mauser, whatever, uh, the front ring where the scope mount goes, some of them were drilled into the locking lug, which you might get away with it, but if there is going to be a flaw in that rifle, that's where it's going to be. You know, one of your locking lugs that's taking all that pressure has a hole drilled in it now. Yeah, so, that's not good. Exactly. You know, granted, you might have an old timer that shot that gun for many years like that and says it's fine. And it very well may be, but are you really willing to risk it? Yeah, I know. So, for a fact, when it comes to buying military surplus stuff, mm-hmm. my checklist is a lot, lot longer and a lot larger than... <clears throat> it would be for buying something new, like buying a new AR-15 or buying a new, yeah. I don't know, like a new bolt gun. To be honest, I really don't buy a whole lot of new new firearms outside of handguns. I think, honestly, when it comes to buying new firearms, it's it's more handguns. Um, I mean, most recently, I think I got the, the, the newest long gun I got was the Zestaba, the M70. Which yeah. that that thing is honestly, if you're gonna buy an AK, that's the AK to buy. But new firearms, yeah, I don't really look at rifles as much. I look more for for used rifles, mm-hmm. and I think that just comes down to what I like to collect, which is the military surplus. Which yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot. The to that's for. one of the main firearms that like people were modifying. You mm-hmm. know, absolutely. They there's... Would get them for cheap and modify the hell out of them, and some of them were great. I actually uh, right next to me. Oh, hold on a sec. I have a Remington. Uh, 1903. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we got here? It's in the four million digit serial number. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Uh, very well sporterized, I would say. It's in a fashion stock. Yeah. So they were they were known for making sporterized stocks. Uh, the barrel is original, but the gunsmith that modified it tapered the original barrel into a sporter contour. And actually cut about six ports on either side of it. Really nicely done for uh, recoil. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then counterboard it so there's no rifling running where that integral break is. And again, this one was modified, but it was done really nicely. Bolts jeweled up and everything. See, but- and now when it comes to buying a rifle, I know a lot of people who collect military surplus, like myself, once mm-hmm. in a, you know every now and then. They'll look for some guns that are sported or bubbled, but lightly sported. <clears throat> exactly, and that's what I'm saying is, yeah, that's what I was gonna get at was lightly sported. Mm-hmm. That you can do like a simple restore, like duffel cuts, things like that, or stuff that's just missing the front sight, or stuff that's missing, yeah. you know, small pieces here and there. That's fine if you can get them for a reasonable price, go for it. But you also have to remember what you're getting, how much the cost is gonna be. If you're trying to flip it for resale, you're not gonna get the money. Yeah, that that's almost never a good idea. It's there's these there's a lot of these I see them all the time at shows where guys are selling project guns and guys like, oh, I can buy it and flip it. I can buy it and flip it. And every time I've looked at a gun that like as a project gun, it's never been. Can I buy this and flip it? It's always been. 
how much will it cost for me to buy it and get it to this condition, not buy it and flip mm-hmm. it? And if you think of it with that mentality of buy it and flip it, I, I think you need to be looking at another market. Yeah, absolutely. And just availability of parts. Mm-hmm. You know, like some rifles, the way they were sporterized was just cutting the stock down. Okay, but now you got to find a replacement stock. How oh, easy is that to come by? Uh, barrel bands, too, because typically they're long gone. Look at the, the Moss 36. Look at how yep. hard it is to find the barrels for those. I got very lucky with that, with the barrel we got, you know, that I that I had that we swapped out. I'm still surprised somebody tried to sporterize one of those. But well, hey, that that was a, a market conversion. I believe it was the company was Santa Fe, Santa Fe Arms, something of that nature. Okay. They got a bunch of them. They cut down the barrels. And at first, that's what I was like, oh, maybe I can do a Moss 36, like the CR-39 clone. But I'm like, I'd mm-hmm. rather have the original troop, you know, the actual infantry style. So that was cool yeah. to get the barrel and everything. Mm-hmm. But, again, you had a, a working firearm to build off of. Exactly. It wasn't... So. It wasn't just a, just a receiver or anything like that. Yep. So that brings me to my next point is, does the gun even work? So yeah. a lot of small-town gun shops, they'll sell guns as is. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, they'll have that written on the tag. Like, hey, this is an old gun. It came in as is. And some of those places will not let you dry fire, especially like uh, older shotguns, double barrels, mm-hmm. stuff like that, where the firing pins usually pretty brittle. You really don't want to be dry firing those guns much. And there's been times where, you know, yes, I've bought in a couple guns, mostly shotguns, and taken them home, you know, do the snap caps, you hear the click, okay, great, go to take them out, and there's nothing. Yeah. You know, firing pin broke off just a little shy of where it won't set off a primer. Oh, yeah, it's, you know, we have a couple shops shops around us that have that where they say don't try fire shotguns mm-hmm. for and, that uh, reason. Let's be honest, shotguns and rim fires, you really shouldn't dry fire. Yeah, the, you know. I think the more modern pump-action shotguns, you're a little bit more Yeah, more on. modern stuff you can, but, but I, especially I still, if it's like a, a double-barrel, something But the old stuff, don't like be that. doing that. It's mm-hmm. You really shouldn't be. You know, get some yeah. snap and One thing to, to keep in mind, it's just the, the quality of steels that they had to work with, you know, and heat-treating. Back in the back in the day, heat treating was literally looking at it and seeing what color it was. Yeah, that was that was you actually know? pretty cool when you were showing me the whole process to heat treat, and we were like, "This is yep. actually how they did it." Was literally by color. Yeah, uh, you can tell how hot, uh, roughly how hot steel is by the color it turns. So, in a lot of the old heat treating processes, it was looking at the the gun parts and seeing what color they were before they quenched it. So, if it's a sunny day, might look different. If it's cloudy day and you know the lights are on in the shop might look different mm-hmm. that's why so, what was the you saying know. you said do it outside or it depends what you're doing yeah. <laughs> yeah for for like finishing gun stocks yes absolutely go outside let the light hit everything and show you every damn scratch in it but mm-hmm. if you're heat treating probably do it inside a little bit darker yeah that um, makes more sense so yeah does the gun <clears throat> even work and again that that's mostly just for the used market most brand new firearms should work right out of the box again depending yeah. on uh, on the manufacturer yeah but um point number four is what purpose does it serve you because let's be honest when guys have a little bit of money to burn and they're in a gun shop 
we have a tendency to buy <laughs> buy guns we don't necessarily need that we want. Yeah. Yeah. You ever fall into that trap? Yeah. The I say this all the time at work is the real gun the the real gun control is buying one when you really want to. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of true. <laughs> yeah. So for me, when I when I'm at a gun shop or at a gun show, especially, and you happen to stumble across something that really catches your eye. It's like, okay, well, what, what purpose does that fill for me? When am I going to take it out? Kind of like, like with women in clothes, you know, okay, I want this dress. Where am I going to wear it? Mm-hmm. You know, I know that's a big deal for my wife. So when you're buying a firearm, what's the purpose? And if it's literally just to keep it as a safe queen, like, hey, uh, investment piece, you know, something uh, a lot of people don't really think about when it comes to guns is that typically they appreciate and value. So mm-hmm. Especially if it is just going to sit around. Yeah, exactly. You know, and if that's the reason you come up with, like, hey, you know, sure, I'll buy it just to hang on to it. Um, a lot of people think about guns as, you know, a tool. You got to go out and shoot them, but they're much more than that. And essentially, we are the curators of these guns for our lifetime. They're going to outlive us almost guaranteed. Yeah. So we're literally just taking care of them. So something to think about. So. I have what purpose does it fill there's many options for that yeah and um, th- that's something too is you know what purpose does it fill and i know as weird as this sounds can you afford it the, that's actually next on my list can yeah. you afford it because let's be honest if you talk yourself into a gun and you take it home and the lights turn off guess what that brand new gun's gonna look a lot worse exactly <laughs> with no lights. so you have to keep in mind is is it necessarily worth it to go and look for a gun at that time? Because if you can't afford it, don't tease yourself. It's not worth it. It's shoot what yeah. you have. Go go buy some ammo instead and go to the range and enjoy what you got. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because- and plus, look at a price point. You know, you could buy the brand new HK handgun, and that's all you could afford. Or you could get a, get a Glock, get a few mags, you know. And, like, with the same amount of money, how much extra are you getting? Exactly. You know, with what you can afford, too, is I don't know how many times I've seen guys buy something, then turn around and sell it a few days later because they're like, oh, really? well, that was, yeah, a, a lot. That happened during the pandemic a lot. Oh, um, uh, with the pandemic, I'm kind of not surprised. Well, because, yeah, and that's a whole other economic thing we can get into about people being handed money and they had more than they knew what they were <laughs> doing with. And that's what happened, dude. More yeah. people bought guns and they were like, oh, I'm buying this, 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 and this. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, dude, I can't even afford this. What are and you doing? Because going back to their purpose, hey, I have money. I can afford it. And the purpose, well, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You just never know what's going to happen. And that was the thing, okay. too. <laughs> well, that was the thing, too. People were overpaying for everything. And at that point yeah. was, and I said this to you, I said this to a couple other people, was be patient with buying your, your parts for ARs and parts like that is because it's not worth it to pay top dollar because a lot of sites were letting you back order parts. Just be mm-hmm. patient, because if you be patient, you'll get it at a reasonable rate. You yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, there's been a ton of times where I'm looking for certain parts or even certain guns. And it's like, mm, it's just not the right time. Exactly. You know, and I know, okay, these manufacturers make them by the, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not, you know, some gun companies are up in the millions. It's like, you'll find one. Trust me, you will find one. Oh, yeah. You might have to pay a little more for it, but when the time is right, you will be able to find one. Exactly. And I mean, hey, look at case in point, like we were talking about in our previous episode with the SKS, with my SKS. 
I was patient mm-hmm. and I got it for what I wanted in the price range I wanted. I didn't overpay. Guys, we're gonna take a take a short break and we'll be we'll be right back. All right, guys, and we're back. So the pandemic brings us to another good point with gun buying. Will the gun appreciate? So yeah. let's be honest, Joey. A lot of people that bought firearms during the pandemic, they're going to have to wait a long time before that gun Ooh, ever yeah. appreciates to what, what they paid for. Well, the, ma- the majority of people who bought firearms in that period, they depreciated in value because they bought AR-15s or they bought – yeah, certain shotguns. Home defense shotguns. Home defense yep. shotguns that they had to have at that point, so they overpaid for a brand-name shotgun by $200. Don't say you didn't because I saw you do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's plain and simple. Um, and now, then all those people now all of a sudden are coming in and, oh, I need uh, $1,500. Here's the thing. $1,500 is like the magic number for AR home builds. It's, mm. I don't know what it is. People come to the shop. How much do you want for this AR-15 that you built at home? I want 1500 Yeah. Why do oh, you want it's 1500? custom. Yeah, it's custom. Well, I did this. Well, first off, people, keep in mind, you customized it for you. Secondly, just because you overpaid for it doesn't mean I'm going to overpay for it because you paid exactly. you know, $1,500 for all these parts when, it, guess what, that, that Bushmaster and that Arrow, or I'm not trying to knock either of those companies, but... Mm-hmm. You, you know, you overpaid. You paid twice what they were worth during the pandemic. It's not my problem. And yeah. I'm not trying and to not sound... Not just that, but their rifle doesn't come with a guarantee. The manufacturer's exactly. rifle, that's all the manufacturer's part, that's guaranteed. That has a warranty. Exactly. That means something. And that's, that's yep. something you try... Well, I actually had one guy who the one time had the nerve to actually say to him, he's like, oh, well, if there's any issues, you can have him call me. And I go, no. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It doesn't work like that, buddy. Like, <laughs> I understand, like... Uh, and, and I'm happy you back your your build like that, but that's not that's not that's not reputable, and I can't I can't retell that to. Yeah, I can't take that to the bank. Exactly. So things to keep in mind is just because you you know you might have bought something for X amount doesn't mean it's worth that at this time currently. Um, mm-hmm. The the other big one was the recently the high powers are the big thing on the scene now. That's and, right. Yep. And, yeah. What two different companies came out with? Well, I mean, new versions of the high power. You could argue three, because like, you know, you have Springfield, who was the first one who kind of introduced theirs. Which, yep. uh, if if I recall correctly, is actually just a the tooling off of the old Turkish ones that were coming out. But the the Springfield one was actually kind of nice. I handled it. I I really enjoyed it. The finish on it mm-hmm. was really was really cool. Then there was the Gearsons, which I actually we just got those in the other week too. Those were actually. I prefer the Springfield. These these weren't bad. The competition model was actually pretty cool. But uh, I, honestly, you know me. I like the classic. So for that, yep, yep. I would probably go with the go with the Springfield one. And now FN is bringing it back too with their new modern style. Mm-hmm. Which that one, as as much as I know, I just said I like the classic, and you know I prefer the classic. Their new modern styling of the high power is pretty slick looking. I actually like the FDE look a lot. Yeah, but, I'll have to go check that out. Yeah, I haven't seen one in person yet. I'd like to soon. The the rep told me, oh yeah, they'll be out soon, and yeah, I'll when they we get them, that'll be nice. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and until then, who knows? Until then, they just yeah, I don't believe they yep. exist. But I mean, that goes back to okay, if you had an original high power, mm-hmm. did that appreciate over time? 
compared to the new ones now, especially when the hype is now out there for oh, high yeah. powers. Absolutely. I mean, look at uh, what was it? The Colt Python after The Walking Dead came out. Oh, those skyrocketed. How much did those pr- those prices freaking skyrocket? Oh, I had a guy offer me two grand at the range for my Diamondback the one time. Really? Yeah, that and the guy was trying to buy it off me. I was like, no, no. I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we can t-. I was like, no, no, sorry, no. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, <clears throat> if you buy good quality guns that already have a big following, you know, the Colt Snake guns. Um, Those are always I mean, going really, to value. Really anything original Colt. The old Colt, some sort of, yeah, because the new yep. Colt is a whole other story. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, they're owned by what is it, uh, CZ now? Yeah, they're owned by CZ now. Which yep. the, so yeah, in original Colt. Yep. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, these guns appreciate in value. Mm-hmm. And granted, yes, you have to account for uh, inflation stuff like that. You know, you see these old catalog guns where people were buying, you know, M1 Garands for what a hundred dollars or something like oh, that. Oh, hundred eighty bucks, and then like seven nineteen seventeens for like seventy bucks, and you see Enfields for like thirty, and yeah, exactly. It's like okay, but yeah, what was a tank of gas back then? <sighs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's like you kind of have to you have to figure that out, but you know, in general, most firearms will appreciate given the right amount of time. Yeah, especially military surplus in the original condition. Mm-hmm. The second you modify any military surplus, any which way, shape, or form, you lose almost half the value. Whether whether you like yep. it or not, it's it's the truth. You know, some people some people oh well, this was the only thing. Yeah, that's the only thing, and I'd rather have it a non matching rifle than have it be a modified rifle. Yeah, but I I gotta I gotta call you out on this though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm still a big fan of well done sporterized oh, rifles. No, I, so, I I'm not saying yeah. that. I'm saying the just the value of the initial rifle from like a resale yes. standpoint. You have you have no value from because you don't have the original yeah. military configuration. Like I've had I had that one uh that Swiss Mauser that came in. Uh the guy wanted it drilled and tapped initially for a scope and I said I I'm sorry, I won't do it. I won't take a you know, perfectly fine everything was correct on this rifle. I'm not going to be the one to drill and tap it. I'm, I'm sorry. That's not reason. me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then uh, he said about these uh, these other like non-invasive mounts. They go yeah, they where no the rear tap. sight is. Yup. So it's like, look, that I'd be fine with. Still going to have to bend a bolt handle. Let me see if I can find uh, new old stock bolt handles. Because there's, there's really not collectors for new old stock parts. Let's be honest. Yeah. You know? They're valuable to people like me. Great, you know. I have a yeah, brand new bolt. It should headspace pretty well, which it actually headspace great. So it's like, okay, I I'll bend this bolt handle. The original matching one is going to stay how it is. Well, I I really like how you did that one, and that was cool too because you did the whole write up on it too, where you were like, mm-hmm. look, this is something of this was a rifle that was never modified. I can't modify this now. If it had been something that had been modified, that's a little bit different. Oh, yeah, and as a gunsmith, I'm always looking for those. Like, I'm looking mm-hmm. for jankety Bubba Hack jobs that aren't too bad. It's like, look, that, that gun's got good bones. It can be worked with. Mm-hmm. You well, know? you recently or, bought that one Mauser for uh, for your wife. Yes, the 270. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's the thing. I was looking for just a regular Mauser receiver to build something off of because, again, you're not sporterizing an old, you know, military configuration one. It's just the receiver at that point. But yeah. I found one that was like a, uh, probably like an early uh, 
sporterized, like commercially sporterized Mauser. It was an Inner Arms, wasn't um, it? No, I don't think this was an Inner Arms. Hmm. It might have been, but it was definitely built on a Czech Mauser. Okay. So, but every everything was basically wiped off of it. So I had to actually go by the markings underneath. So again, if you're at a retail gun shop looking at the outside of the rifle, you can't really see what it is. So I know a lot of shops aren't going to let you really start tearing into them to see what it is, but um, things to keep in mind. Yeah, is look at the modifications, how the modifications were done, because just because mm-hmm. someone added a scope to something, and I'm not necessarily talking about a military surplus. I'm talking, you know, it could be a hunting rifle or thing of that nature. Oh yeah, absolutely. Is how how was how was the scope installed? Was the was the rifle drilled and tapped properly? Was it barely mm-hmm. hanging on? Was it welded? Was it because I've seen a lot of people where they brought stuff in and they've said, "Hey, this firearm was, you know, I I got a scope on it," and it's like, okay, first off, that scope is a sixty dollar Walmart scope. Secondly. Yeah. The scope is hanging on by electrical tape and zip ties. What do you, you know, well, uh, like, Joe? Like, you remember when we went down to that one auction? The guy said when rifles come in with scopes, they'll typically auction off the rifle and the scope separately because they bring more value. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. and that's that's another thing too is when you're talking about your gun checklist of where you're buying it at too is if you're buying it at an auction versus a gun show. Mm-hmm. You, or you know you might have different things to look for case in point look at um look at nick you know look at our one buddy he he was looking for a couple of things and he bought a rifle in one lot and then the parts to fix it which were all matching parts were actually in another auction lot yeah so but if he didn't pay x amount for those parts in that other lot he would never have the matching set for that mm-hmm. rifle so yeah, exactly so he knew what he had to pay. It wasn't really a negotiable thing for him. And, you know, he really couldn't call call the auction house and be like, hey, can you uh, can you pull that separate auction just for me? No, it yeah. doesn't work like nope. that. He had to try to win it. <laughs> exactly. And he did. You know, yep. props to him. So before we get wrapping up, Joey, I really got to ask, though, like yeah. from <laughs> your point of view across the gun counter, mm-hmm. what do you prefer people do, you know, for checking out a firearm? They come into your shop. Hey, let me see that one over there. Like, well, what? What? Are, what would you like to see? Well, the first off, the the thing I would like them to do is make sure they actually have a genuine interest in the firearm. It's one thing to have a genuine interest in the firearm. It's another thing just to be like, hey, I'm kind of curious about it. And I just wanna, I just wanna play with it for a second. Mm-hmm. So I actually want to. I mean, so- that kind of throws up some flags for some straw purchases, doesn't it? Yeah, that does too. Is you know, you have to also know that th- there's some other things going on now too, especially if you come in with other people, things of that nature. But assuming everything's all on board, my thing is if you're coming in, I like that you uh, you look and you you show proper gun safety first. Like when I hand you the firearm, even though I just cleared the firearm, clear the firearm. It just shows to me that you know what you're doing and keep your finger off the mm-hmm. trigger. You know, follow all the base gun safety steps. That's what I prefer people do. I also prefer people just ask. Just if you have a question, ask. That's it. Yeah. Just, you know, Especially hey. like, hey, can I dry fire it? Yeah, can I dry fire it? Don't just, you know, bolt it. Don't keep racking the bolt as fast as you can. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to pick on some guys across the border, like Jersey guys in particular. They love to rack the bolts and stuff and just pull the triggers as fast as they can. I don't know what. Mm, they're not used to it. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, it's just like, listen, guys, I know freedom sounds great over here, but you also have to, you know, just keep in mind, you're in a gun store. It's not a toy store. 
So, you know, just show proper gun safety, show stuff like that. And if you have questions, just ask. Because even if I don't know, half the time on used guns, as long as you're being civil and you're not, you're not being rude or anything like that, I'm, you know, I'm happy to, I'm happy to answer your questions and I'm happy to go look it up if I don't know. Um, Absolutely. One thing I actually don't like from across the gun counter, I guess, if you will, is if you hear people saying, I don't know, and them not willing to find out. Like it's yeah. all right if you don't know something. It's it's completely acceptable. But oh, saying absolutely. but saying I don't know at times or you're not sure. Now it's one thing if it's a really obscure question. Like um like some people ask some questions that are so pointless like where is this gun made? Like what does it matter whether the gun was made in the USA or Austria mm-hmm. or whether if it was made here or here? Like there's just or how long has this company been in business? Who cares? Yeah. Like I mean a lot of these are what you know What twist rate is this? Yeah, like there's some things that it's like does it really matter for you for what you're doing? You're just doing, you know, plus what are the chances of me knowing it? Exactly. There's some, there's some questions that are just really out there and you have to understand, uh, you know, behind the counter, we see a lot of guns, a lot of guns. So to remember everything, it's, you're not going to remember everything. Oh, absolutely. That's why when people start talking about Glocks, I'm like, okay, how big is it? And what's it shoot? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can't keep up with the numbers. Well, it's if funny. If they all take apart the same, I don't have a reason to know them. Well, it's funny. I guess until you sell them, you don't learn the numbers. But even some of the guys have trouble learning them. I'm like, guys, this, 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 this. Like, I'm like, you should just I'm like, shoot mm-hmm. them a couple times and you'll learn them. Yep. Uh, but no, the, the main thing for me is I just prefer people ask and they don't they don't do the full breakdown too. like it's you know, I don't like things flying around in the store. I'm more worried about something getting lost in the store. Mm-hmm. And something getting damaged, if that makes sense. Like, it's if you can visually inspect the gun and you can see it's just like, hey, it's clean and you can see everything's functioning. Believe it yeah. or not, we actually even do... ask for like a bore light or something. Yeah, something like that, or just use your phone or something like that. We can take a look. Um, but mm-hmm. believe it or not, you know, my shop, we actually, you know, the sh- or I keep saying my shop, the shop I work at, you know, we stand out a little bit and we, we actually do clean the guns. We actually do test a lot of the guns. Um, so we actually know the functionality of it too. So, I mean, hell, I mean, I've told you how many times I've been to the range testing various different things. We'll fire, you know, a couple yep. mags through just to a, get a feel for it. So we can, you know, talk about said firearm and B do a function test. Do we function test every single one? No. no like what I'm talking about at the range, not. but no, we, we, we do do like a basic function test in the store. I'm not talking like, mm-hmm. You know, that we do every single time. We'll check, you know, the trigger, all that stuff, make sure everything functions fine. Trigger engages, safety engages. Yeah, but every single gun might not always get range time. So any Mm -hmm. store that says they're doing it, every single gun is, I think, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like gunsmith, you know, for us. Do I test fire every gun that comes in the shop? Absolutely not. You know, why would I need to? Yeah, I swapped out the grips. Trust me, they're on there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why do you need to do a test fire for that? Or why do you need to, if you just cleaned, um, you know, if you just clean up a stock, for instance, why do you need mm-hmm. to test fire it? Like, that no. just seems kind of odd. But. Well, like, I just did this one, uh, uh, what was it? It was that Fox Sterlingworth. I just did the stock repair. Oh, uh, yeah. One of the main things with, especially double barrel stocks, is uh, after you do a repair, okay, well, is it going to split under recoil? It's an older gun. I could have taken it out and shot it. It has a recoil pad on it. I just give it a couple good bumps on the floor because I know if me literally bumping it on the floor pretty hard was enough for it to shock it to break that repair out, I know it wasn't a good repair. Yeah. You know, but I didn't have a need to go and shoot it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's there's sometimes it would be nice to, but you don't always have to. Yeah. Plus just time involved. Time, like, ammo. Ammo's not cheap. Oh, that's the other thing too is – and then you also have to get out to the range and you have mm-hmm. to 
Hope there's no one there. Or if uh, you're you know what? That, that's a point we we missed on our uh, our checklist for buying a gun. Mm-hmm. Can you buy ammo for it? That's the other <laughs> thing just, is too. Yeah, uh, I is, just ran into that. <laughs> yeah, is ammo available? Yeah, that's funny. You actually did just run into that with with military yeah. surplus. That's that's something you really have to keep an eye out for. Is can you buy ammo? Like uh, something mm-hmm. like six five Jap in particular is not necessarily readily available at your nearest gun store. Oh, I wasn't even talking about that. I was talking oh. about the rolling block that I picked up. Oh, ooh, yeah, that I'm too. never gonna find ammo for that. Well, that's funny because uh, our our buddy just found Krapatchak ammo not too long ago. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, so it's you'll find you might find ten rounds here, but that'll be the first time you'll find it at the show for. Yeah, exactly. For how so long? For all those listening, if you happen to stumble acro- stumble across eight by forty two rimmed. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Send us an email. It's probably yeah, it's probably only over in Sweden somewhere, but just but, in case a few rounds made it here, I'll take them. Yeah, if you guys find any, feel free to shoot him an email over at um. Well, go to the website precisionrifleworks.com, or you can shoot us a message over at acrossthegunkenter.com. I'm not even kidding about go. that. He's he's looking for that ammo. Yeah, not that I really care to shoot the gun. It's just going to be a. Oh, a you want to shoot it? Don't lie. I mean, okay, I'll shoot any gun once. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that one i'm again it serves my purpose for what i need it for it's going to be a refinishing project that i have a sample of my work so Mm -hmm. that one really didn't care if it had ammo availability i see that's kind of like the macro i picked up too was i just wanted to do you know i wanted to do a whole project of rebluing and all that stuff so yeah got a you know a decent price and yeah Hey, it fit yep. the bill. It fit all my checkpoints. Yeah. So if it was beat to crap, it did this. But I was able to get a replacement site for it. I looked up replacement springs if they were available. And I was able to do it for a reasonable price. Yeah. You did your due, gil- due diligence. Yes. Can never say that. No, yeah. <laughs> so, but yes, all I right, did man. My... What do you say we wrap this up? Yeah, man. That sounds uh, sounds good to me. I mean, I think we went over everything with the buying, you know, buying a gun. Just keep an eye out for it. Make sure. Uh, I mean, key takeaways I would say is you know take a look at everything. Make sure if it's a if it's a new gun, just make sure everything's in the box with it. Make sure everything locks upright. Make sure all the grip is you know just do a once over. You don't need to be mm-hmm. doing a full breakdown on everything. Uh, for used guns, yeah, please don't. Yeah, you know it's it's a waste of everyone's time on new guns. Um, for used guns, I can see being a little more cautious. But just make sure if it's clean, just make sure once over dry fire, you know, do like a dry fire or something, you know, make sure everything functions, things of that nature. But that that's my real thing is it, it you know, your, used gu- your gun buying checklist is really going to depend on what you're looking for and if you can afford it at that time. Yep. Again, uh, a gun looks a lot less pretty when the lights are out. So yes, very true. Something keep to that keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, uh, where else can they find you at, Tyler? You guys can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Precision Rifle Works LLC and on my website, precisionrifleworks.com. All right. And uh, for myself, you can find me over right now. I'm just on Instagram at, uh, oh, actually, Instagram and YouTube. Uh, for Instagram at SitePicture762 and YouTube at SitePicture762 as well. Uh, the YouTube channel is not really gun content, but semi-gun tank content because it's Hunt Showdown, which I want to show. Jason. Yeah, I want you to play that game. I want you to see that game and see what you think because you like the old stuff. Yeah, I'll have to try it. Yeah, it's cool. And uh, so, yeah, check out those videos. But the main thing is, you know, follow us anywhere. You can find us at Across the Gun Counter on Instagram. Uh, soon, hopefully, maybe we'll have YouTube up there as well. And, uh, yeah, check us out on the website at acrossthegunkenter.com where you can check out not only, you know, all our podcasts, but our blog and soon to be hopefully a gallery and some, uh, some other cool stuff that we got planned for you guys. So 
with that, guys, take care, stay safe, and uh, yeah, don't do anything I wouldn't do. There you go. Take care, guys. <laughs>